1: Welcome, everybody, to the MotorcycleSuperstore.com RacerX podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. MotorcycleSuperstore.com has everything you need to get out and ride. Check out their website to search their vast inventory of equipment from over 700 trusted brands. PB, uh, peanut butter, let's say, PB-Pulp16 is a code to punch in and save at MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Passionate team that speaks moto. Of course, the Superstore guys. They have the uh, top Jimmy Albertson Suzuki team with uh, Kyle Cunningham, Jimmy Albertson, Josh Osby, and uh, they're picking it up lately. So thanks to the Motorcycle Superstore guys for coming on board. Fox Racing, foxhead.com, 2017 gear dropping uh, at Washougal from the folks at Fox. Fox Racing, if your dealer doesn't have Fox Racing, go to another dealer, please, because they should be carrying Fox Go to foxhead.com, find your dealer, find mountain bike gear, find casual wear, find moto stuff. Uh, Kenny Rockson, of course, wearing Fox and much other. So we thanks Motorcycle Superstore, and we thank Fox Racing. And uh, my name's Steve Mathis. With me on the line, part two of the, uh, of the Grant Langston podcast. Uh, GL, you're, uh, you're back on the show. We couldn't get everything in in the first one, because partly because you love to talk and you're a very good interviewer. And two, you've done, you've done so much. So thanks for doing part two. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me back. I mean really when you think about it, you, you've done so much. How do you cover everything in an hour? It's not possible. So
0: Well, I think it's it's one of the more I I guess call it um rarer stories in, yes. in our sport, you know, I agree. growing growing up on one continent and then you know, living on two other continents racing. So yeah, it is kinda unique. It's different. Yeah. Being, you know, from South Africa as well. So I think only really Albertane and Rattray have done something like that. And then, of course, you know, we've had our Aussies and Kiwis and stuff yeah. like that over the years. Yep. But um, it's becoming more of a normal thing now, actually, it's, yeah. um, to have all your top uh, GP riders coming over here now. Yeah, if you really, if you really think about it, uh, Stefan Everts,
1: Tony Caroli, and I don't know about Fabra. He's a little older. He's not that good at supercross, but, um, you know, those are the two guys that really haven't been over, you know? so
0: um, And, and, and they are two guys that would like to have come. Stefan Evans told me I wasn't good enough at Supercross, and he said I was just basically on on such a good uh, program in Europe, meaning financially. I mean, he was like a god over there. Sure. If he moved here, he was going to just be, you know, I don't want to say run-of-the-mill, but in Supercross he would have been. And then outdoors, if he wasn't injured, you know, was Mm -hmm. expected to win type thing. So I think for a couple of those guys it was just, it made more sense for them to just be the man, you know, in their home country. Uh, we
1: picked it up. we left it off last time with uh, you winning your clinching the the, the one twenty five world championship over uh, Mike brown and uh, and Jamie Dobb and uh, you talked about it a little bit coming over to America KTM wanted you Mitch wanted you you signed your deal win or lose the title you were coming to America in 01 for KTM um, a brand that you you 'd won for and known the bike so well and and financially the KTM came through for you and you know you got to bring Harry Nolte, your motor guy um, your uncle Andrew came over. To to be your mechanic, yeah. it was it was a nice little total package to come over um, and and then come to America. And I was on the team at that time. People, I worked for Kelly Smith in 2000 and in 2001, and we got you on the team. And we got a new race shop. We got like new shiny parts. It was like we're all doing this all for <laughs> Langston. So thank you, Grant, for stepping up
0: the team uh, the team's <laughs> quality from year one. Well, you know what the nice thing I think, and what had to do a lot with that, is the fact that Red Bull came in on board and. Um, they had come in a little way over in Europe and, uh, Dietrich Meleshev, he was, uh, you know, is really into his motor, uh, in motor sports in general. Mm -hmm. Um, gotta love that. And the guy did so much for the sport as well as, you know, like I said, for KTM, I think he was a huge, huge help to get that, uh, to get the KTM factory team, like you said, to, you know, maybe from a B level to a, to a A level, you know, real factory team. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Yeah, but I think what was interesting probably for you guys was it just seemed to happen kind of overnight. You know, they decided to make some decisions and some big changes. But, uh, I mean, you know how it is when you go racing. You kind of need to do whatever you can to be at the top level.
1: Yeah, we got a dyno. We stopped just bolting on like SXS stuff. You know, we had Nolte grinding, we had uh, cases being modified. Like, it was a whole new level. And we're like, oh, shit. Okay. All right. GL, thank you. We're gonna have good bonds. Imagine if we had a link. Imagine if we had a link. <laughs> I know, huh? Um, you show up. Um, I'm interested in the Supercross. You got. You were pretty good right off the bat. You, you, you. I think you crashed out. Of the, uh, I got the vault open I think you crashed out of your very first one. Um, but you, yeah. you should have won Houston. But you threw the one hander uh, that that allowed an, a Husqvarna to win, which is super weird fact in American motocross. Um, <laughs> but you won the next week, and you started getting better and better. But how did you? I don't remember this. I was on the team. Like, did you? Did you instantly? Were you good at Supercross, or was it a real? I don't remember it at all. Being an Albi slash Tortelli slash adaption thing for you. You seem to take to it pretty good. How come?
0: Um, I'm not sure to be honest. Um, you know, I think obviously um, maybe the fact that being on a 125 might have been a little bit easier transition than you know, like you were saying, guys like yeah. Tortelli and Albertine they had to go and race McGrath and, and, and the best of the best at that time. True. So I think sometimes that, that stepping stone helps a little bit. Um, and I think I've always been relatively good at jumps and, and, and timing. I wouldn't say it's my uh, specialty. Mm-hmm. My biggest weakness in the beginning definitely was the whoops. Um, and I think, honestly, I'm not trying to make excuses, but I think part of it was the bike and not knowing what I wanted to try and or how to set it up to be comfortable. Yeah. And part of it, too, I just don't think my technique was, was good back then. Um, but I wasn't afraid to jump the rhythms. You know, my attitude always was, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> I got this um, right. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I always just figured. I figured I've, if I can carry that corner speed, I should be able to triple out of the turn or whatever. Um, mm. So I think that, that um, helped me a little bit just um, – Um, that jumping has never been something that I feel like has been a struggle for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always actually enjoyed jumps and, and trying to stay low and scrubbing and whipping. So I think it didn't seem like it was that foreign to me. Um, but yeah, just, just sometimes, uh, I remember the on off tabletops was a struggle, but the whoops was the biggest struggle for me in the beginning. And then, you know, you just start working and working and working and build up confidence, you know? Um,
1: yeah, and uh, you know, I gotta say too, you, you were right though. The, the no link thing the KTM got certainly. We talked about it last show. Uh, it moved the shock to the side. It allowed you to put a big old carb on there because it could suck air straight through the air boot because the shock wasn't you yeah. know bending the air boot. But the downside was whoops. Whether it was you, Brock Sellers, Kelly Smith, we struggled. We had WP guys there. We had guys from England there from WP. We had uh, American WP people. The bikes didn't work good in the whoops. That that's. We'll get more into that in the 250 wise, but that's a that's a that's a point. And you know, luckily, only for 97 of the people who own KTM's back there did not ride supercars. Whoops, but they, exactly. they, they struggled. There's no doubt. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, and 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 I think part of that, like we talked about before, is I think a lot of the R and D and development was down and done in European tracks, where I think a lot of the actual real testing that they did on certain tracks may have actually produced results that showed no linkage was better Mm -hmm. but I think um, you know as we know on the little chop and especially whoops and all those kind of areas where you need that little extra movement yeah I think that's uh, something that they they just fell short on foreseeing in the future yeah it
1: seemed like uh, three quarters of the way through a whoop section or chop it would start coming back on you you know um, work good in the initial Uh and then yeah
0: yeah, well I, f- I felt like it would just slowly start packing, like it wasn't coming back all the way through the strokes, so it was mm-hmm. slowly just packing all deep, deeper, a little deeper, and then it was like a coil, you know, a spring. Yeah. It would unwind and then it was like, you know, hitting the eject button. Yeah. That uh I remember ro- I remember rolling up the windows a few times through a whoop section. <laughs> yeah, no, there it, it
1: was some scary stuff for sure. Um the uh the Houston one hander. That you uh, a last lap? What what happened there exactly? Ta- take us through that that gave Travis
0: Preston and Husky their first win. Um, well, I you know like you said, I crashed out of the first race. Then the second race was uh, San Diego, and Fonseca got all squirrely through a rhythm and cleaned us both out. I
1: imagine that. And then <laughs> and
0: then I and then I got a podium at Anaheim 2, and then you know second in Phoenix, right. and then you know like you said, Houston should have won. But basically, the one hander story is. There was a triple, which is where I did the one-hander. But afterwards, it kind of went into like a bit of a banana-type landing. Mm -hmm. So it was like a very ramped takeoff into a peaked landing. So it was like a a, a weird double. And part of the reason I had quite a big lead was when I'd come over triple um, in midair, I would find the rut that had a nice little hook in it. And I would line up and make sure that when I came up, it was a lot of more technique than speed where you had to use a lot of body English and like lift the bike and jump it. And on the last lap, I kind of just did a little whip from one hand to the crowd, and I'm so happy. And When I landed, I just honestly just had a brain fart. And I should have rolled it. I just honestly yeah. I had an yeah, a... eight-second lead, yeah, and um, I should have just rolled it. And um, I had have just brain fart and reaction. At the last second, I just went, up and went to double it. <laughs> and I framed it, and then I ended up straight into the berm into the corner and knocked myself silly. Yeah, it was a good crash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember getting up and I was like, couldn't see straight, and um, I was so, I was so, uh, pissed off, disappointed, angry, all those things. But the, like I said, the bike was so mangled, I couldn't go through the whoops, and I couldn't get through the next section. The throttle tube was busted, the <laughs> throttle stuck wide open, the clutch was down here, the handlebars were on the gas tank, and and I ended up getting past, past, and past right at the finish line for third. So I ended up fourth. Didn't even get on the podium. You lost all your bonuses so and, I was and everything. So, yeah. so angry. And, um, but I always swore I'd never let that happen again. And I think I was so angry. I just decided that night that I was going to win the next weekend in Dallas. Like, yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to win no matter what. And, uh, and I yeah. wish I thought like that more often because I did. I went out and kind of
1: dominated. Yeah, I think week. it was, it was a good week. I think if I remember right, yeah, Dallas was wire to wire. Like, you just took off. Yeah. And, um, I was uh, I wasn't at Houston, but I got the call from Williamson or the text or something. And he's like, Grant had one corner to go, and crashed. I'm just yeah. like, oh, jeez, yeah. we're, we're we're jinxed. We're so <laughs> yeah. jinxed. Um, that outdoor season though, uh, it's still pretty epic. And I don't know if some of it's because I was on the team, so like I'm deep into it, you know. But honestly, the the yeah. the, the, the battles with you. And Travis, uh, before he crashed out, and Mike Brown, and then our teams hated Pro Circuit, and they hated us. We all hated Brownie's mechanic. <laughs> he seemed to be a bit of a douchebag, Brownie's English guy, Steve. Um, and it, I just remember it being so epic. Like, obviously, I was working for Kelly, but I remember, you know, proud of our team because I was there when they started, and you were killing it. And Travis was – I mean, how could you hate Travis? He was a great guy. And, and, yeah. And Brownie was going for a first title, you know, as, as an old dude. Uh, what a great – series that was. Like it was just just awesome. Um when you won Glen Helen, I remember we were all pretty confident that you were gonna do pretty good. We were we had timing you we we're timing you at Glen Helen and you know and, and you seem to match up with anybody that we put a clock on, but man, there must have been something else to just come out and win the first national.
0: Um I will be honest, I was very nervous. Um I had obviously everyone in in America didn't I want to say everyone, just about every, everyone didn't give me a shot against Travis. You know, he yeah. was the new golden boy, and he had won in, you know, exciting fashion the year before, and he was going to be faster and stronger and unbeatable. So, of course, I was nervous because I knew he was going to be tough, and we had raced each other at the Nations and France the year before. Right. And, um, you know, we had pretty much battled. So I knew that at my, you know, on certain tracks at my best, he was – you know, as good, if not faster and certain tracks, I think I was maybe a little bit more suited, but I didn't know what to expect. And then especially going to Glen Helen's for me, it was relatively new. we had done some testing and riding there, but yeah. uh, I still remember having to qualify on Saturday. Um, <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, they, yeah, didn't, right. they didn't give you any, um, you didn't, you didn't get any uh, passes. Because world champion. Yeah. 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 The attitude is you have no points and you have to qualify. well, I end up getting taken out in the second turn, and there's bikes on top of mine, so I'm like basically dead last in a qualifier. Well, thank goodness, Glenn Helens such a excuse my French it's such a shit show in those heat races <laughs> yeah. because of the hills, and there's dudes going everywhere. I mean, it's three like minute like long laps. <laughs> yes, yeah, three minute long laps, so right? Yeah. <laughs> I went from panicking to I think I was already in qualifying position at the end of first lap because of such mayhem. Right. And uh, yes, yeah, so I ended up. End up going through the long way of, of qualifying through the LCQ, not exactly having the best of gate picks. But, um, yeah, In the motos, I, I'm trying to remember. I don't think a whole shot at either moto, but I, I do remember kind of coming around the first turn near the front, both motos, and mm-hmm. I think I just got the lead pretty quickly and then just sort of checked out. I put my head down, didn't really think about anything else except just going as fast as I could, and I just saw the lead it, expanding and expanding and I was like oh this is awesome this is <laughs> this is exactly how I wanted it
1: to go I remember telling somebody I it might have been Nick way or uh, somebody like they're like how's Langston I'm like he's pretty good dude like we got sellards and and Kelly and, and he pretty much works everybody uh, every time we go testing so I was like I think he's gonna do pretty good there's no <laughs> way I thought you were gonna be that good that quick uh, you know at this point the world champion although it's an incredible achievement I think Everyone, quote unquote, over here thought, ah, World Championship's good, but you know, let's see how you do, you know. uh,
0: But yeah, yeah, you got to prove, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, uh, you know, prove it to us why we should uh, give you that much credit. Yeah, and and, and, you know what? Right before that, too, Kiyoti had come over, the three-time world champion, and he struggled a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, May be, you know, for some of those guys when they leave Europe, you know, the Europeans they struggle over here. I mean, we've seen. Americans go to Europe and struggle, you know, vice versa. Yeah, it's yeah. always a different situation. But, uh, you know, I think Kiyoti had come over and they're like, oh, this guy's a three-time world champ. He's the man. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, okay. You know, like you said, oh, right. you know, it didn't really set the world on fire. So I, I think that didn't carry a lot of weight with certain people, like you said, having a world championship.
1: Yeah, nowadays, if Geyser's coming over, Fabra, and we've seen the motocross the nations, I feel like my attitude now is like, hey, this guy's going to haul ass. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, watch out and, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, early 2000s. I don't know if we were saying that. So, um, yeah, yeah. Hangtown, the Bobby Bonds incident. And again, I was on the inside of this thing and, uh, Bobby Bonds was a highly touted amateur kid and Mitch paid a lot of money for him. And, and there was no doubt he was jacking with you. He was, I was, I remember it clear as day. He, you were faster. You caught him. He's moving, um, all over the place on you and yeah. you just put him down. <laughs> Put um, do you regret that? Do you, is, it, is it a move in your mind that you remember pretty clearly? Do you think it was um, fair?
0: Or where are you at on that? Well, I'm, I do. I do remember it. Um, I think I've always ridden with some, you know, somewhat of an attitude. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to consider myself off the track a pretty mellow, easygoing guy. But when I'm racing, um, I'm an angry rider. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Um, so when I feel even if someone block passes me clean, it yeah, still yeah. gets me riled up and pisses me off. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that's what certain athletes or people need to kind of kind of have that burning desire and that drive. But sure. I remember I, I'd wheeled him in. I'd won the first moto, and he rode great that day. And I, know, I, I believe he's a local boy, but um, he rode good that first moto because he pushed me the whole way. And I remember it was really, really hot. And i yes. just come from yes. Europe, so I hadn't really had a chance to climatize. So I still thought, man, if this guy just backs it down, we could all save some energy for motor too, but he pushed me all the way to the finish. Mm-hmm. Well, in second Moto, I get a horrendous start, and he's out front. And I'm like, man, uh, you know, at 15 minutes, I'm like, dude, it is hot. And yeah. I'm feeling a little dehydrated. But I just kept my head down, kept going, and I'm like, if I'm getting tired, I know I'm in good shape, guaranteed he's getting tired. So I'm like, I'm just going to keep plugging away. He's going to fade. And then he started hitting the wall, and then I started picking it up a little bit. And I think he realized, shoot, I could win the overall. I just got to keep this guy behind me. Right. When he, when he like stopped in a couple of corners and like looked over his shoulder the one time, it just set a little switch off my head where I was like, I'm going to put this mother, you know what, on the ground. (laughs) Um, And I kind of had this like angry little mindset. And we came down the hill and he was tired. So he was kind of coasting up the braking bumps. Yeah, I came down the hill wide open, because he actually pushed, tried to push me off the track as well, mm-hmm. and that was the final straw, so when I came down the hill, I just left my braking really late, scrubbed the jump, and on the landing, I think it caught him off guard, because when I had scrubbed it, I actually came across the landing, and I hit the brakes as hard as I could um, to make a point, point. Uh-huh. and I don't think he expected it, <laughs> he just plowed into me and crashed, and then... A lot of people hated me. After yeah, that thing. I, I remember. Mean and. Yeah, you were a foreigner,
1: and Bob Bonds is American, and uh, and yeah, there was some hate towards you. I remember that in the pits, uh, on you know, at the races, everything else, people were pissed. But I was always saying, um, dude, did you see what he was doing to Grant? You know, like like he he was looking yeah. over, he was moving over, like bro, like you, you yeah. know, and it wasn't a great move on I- his
0: part. You know, and the thing is, in racing, everyone handles things differently and sorts things out a different way. And I was always raised, you know, if someone's going to mess with me, I'm going to put them in a place. (laughs) That way, you know, you hope that never happens again. So I didn't try and hurt him or do anything like that. I just made sure I gave him a good, solid brake check, and he knew why. And it caught him off guard. And he literally clipped me when kind of flying. And I don't believe he was injured. I've even had people say I ruined his career. But... um, you know, if you if you're going to hit the ground once and that's your career over, yeah. then yeah. You, weren't, you weren't looking to have much of a great career anyway. But no, he rode good that day, and then after after he went down, we were so far ahead of everyone else. I closed the last two laps, mm-hmm. and then uh, at this point, um, I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. I'd gone four for four in the first four motos, yeah, and uh, you know, started seeming like, hey, you know, this is this is my championship, you know, to win. Yeah. Um it was uh
1: I still remember Uncle Andrew on the on the headset. You you you, you mess with the horns, you get the bull He's yelling and screaming about <laughs> Bobby Bonds messed with the he messed with the horns and he got the bull and we're like, All right, Uncle Andrew, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was very, very excited about that. But um who did you I I wanna say like halfway through the season, uh I remember Pastrana giving you a you hurt your shoulder at Southwick. Um yep. and Pastrana was crashing. Brownie was there. But I want to say like halfway through the season, I think it was
0: Pastrana that was more your rival than Brownie. Do you remember it that way? Um, it kind of went back and forth because when I was sort of injured, um, you know, I missed a round and then, you know, struggled a couple rounds. But it sort of seemed like um Brown and and Travis traded off some results mm-hmm. because Travis actually was leading the points. Um, but well, actually I take that back. I think Brownie really only won um, uh, Bud's Creek round five. Cause that was the race I had to sit out with mm-hmm. my separated shoulders. So I still remember hearing his podium speech and they said, Oh, with Langston not in the race. Um, do you think that made it a little easier for you? And he goes, Oh, Langston ain't shit. Now that I have a good bike, I'll kick his ass. Blah blah. blah. I'm sitting there, and I hear this. I'm like, "Oh, I remember, really, remember, really, in okay. 2000, and remember in two thousand.
1: Remember in two thousand, it was that we talked about it last pod. You Brown yeah. and Dob. It was on. It was
0: on that year. Yeah. So. So Brownie wasn't exactly at the top of my. Uh, he wasn't on my Christmas card list at this yeah. time. So after hearing that, I was like, "Oh yeah, you just wait. It's coming, boy. It's coming. That's all I was thinking.
1: I always thought it was. I always. I've told this story a few times on my shows. Like, we're at KTM, you're the number one rider maybe in the world in the small bike class because you won a world championship, you just won the first two nationals, you hurt your shoulder at Southwick. Do you remember we all stayed back in between Southwick and Buds, right? Yeah. Do you remember that? And I was yeah. driving you around to these th- to these medical shops for a shoulder brace. We were looking at football shoulder braces and and different shoulder braces for you to, to ride with. And I remember thinking, like, hey, KTM, this is literally your championship hope, and I'm driving him around to therapy stores in, you know, yeah. in but but uh, butthole, uh, Massachusetts, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, why, why does it? Why isn't this kid on the plane? You know, Monday morning, back to California to the best shoulder doctor in the world, and and he's reha I don't. I always like, what are you guys doing? You know, I don't know. It was always funny. Um, I was like, we should have really well, handled it a bit differently.
0: Well, well, that just shows you the even just the improvements in our sport, you know, if you say even a lot since the turn of the century, mm-hmm. just the professionalism nowadays, you know what I mean? Like, now that would never happen now. Like, yeah. 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 Like, you're scrutinized. Like, they'll send you to a doctor and they'll fly you there. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you said, they take, you know, their prize and joy and, and a, a big investment for them. So, um, yeah. Uh,
1: do you, were you, and you? it was hard to be mad at Travis, wasn't it? It was hard to like hate
0: him. It was, he was, yeah, he was a exactly. really nice guy. He really was. Yeah. No, when I felt like with Travis, you know, like you said, it, it, it was hard to hate him, but it was, it was actually easy to race him because he would race you pretty hard and, and I'd race him pretty hard, but then we could take a helmet off and shake hands. So I always respected Travis and I actually had some, some really fun races with him over the years. Um, even, uh, you know, probably the first race I started feeling kind of healthy was uh, Redbud that year. Mm-hmm. And um, so I remember I was fastest in qualifying, so I was like, sweet, you know, I'm starting to feel good again. Right. And uh, I remember lining up first moto, and Travis lined up next to me, and he got a bit of a jump on me, and he just turned hard right into me, mm-hmm. you know, to mess, mess my start yeah. up. So I was buried in the pack, and, you know, he was near the front. and Anyway, he wins, and I come from, like, Laos to fourth or whatever. I'm so irritated. I'm like, dang <laughs> it. Mother bastard. Right. So, back then, you lined up where you finished the first motor. So, Travis lines up first. Someone goes somewhere else. and Oh, that's right. Larry Ward got second. I remember that. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah. Triple I lined up next to Travis on the left-hand side like he had done to me the previous motor. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to get the jump and I'm turning hard right. And uh, I got the jump and I turned hard right clipped his front wheel. He was buried in the pack. And it was funny because I went like 4-1, he went 1-4. And Larry Ward got his last ever overall with a 2-2 that day. Yeah. But after the race, his mom was, Travis's mom came and was yelling at me. And Travis like, Mom, Mom, chill, be quiet. He looks at me, shakes my hand. He goes, we cool? I said, yeah, we cool. He goes, we even? I said, Yeah. He goes, all right, good. <laughs> and he just, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the way, he, like he handled. It. Like he knew he wasn't going to say, "I didn't mean to hit you." Right. He said, "Are we cool?" I said, "Yeah." Yeah, we're, we're cool. good. All right, score
1: yeah. settled. <laughs> um, yeah, I always thought, like uh, on the team, like Travis was the guy that was going to beat you. You know, for the title, I was felt like uh, that was it. And I think most people
0: thought that too. Yeah. I think I think, and and that's one of those things where I think with all, everything that unfolded, Brownie kind of came under the radar a little bit, and I think also with Mitch making him go live with Ricky, I think that also helped because I felt like the best brownie ever rode was that Mm -hmm. tail end of the uh, 01 season.
1: Um, And I remember, so we talked about Millville last pod where you said, yeah, I like this place, guys. I'm going to win today. And we're like, okay. And you actually swept it. Um, But also too, at some point, I think at Binghamton, you and Brownie got into it in practice, and then we all got into it with the mechanics in the staging area. Wasn't it that race? We're all yelling at everybody. Right, yeah.
0: Yeah, because in practice, he came in behind me. He was actually riding good that day. So when Brownie was faster than you, he wanted to come and mess with your head. So he would, like, get him behind you and rev the engine, scream sometimes, and (laughs) then even just try to ride into you, and then he'll pull off. And uh, he had me for speed that day a little bit, and – I forget exactly what happened to practice, but I think he tried to ride into me. And then when he went to pull off, I think I just rode into him anyway. (laughs) And, um, and then uh, that's when he, we started lipping off. But what really made everything go down was first moto. Um, I was giving it everything I had to hang with him. And I wanted to beat him so bad at this point in time. Plus it was tight in points. Yeah. Yeah. um, The way everything was unfolding. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but pretty much cleaned him out. But I don't know if it was a, I don't know if you would say it was a Uh T-bone or if it was just a unexpected block pass that he didn't see coming. But basically there was this almost super crossy type section there down by the pits. And uh, you really wanted to try and get over this. I think it was a step down with a single afterwards, but you really wanted to get all the way over, but it was getting so rutted on the inside coming up to you know, under the corner leading up to it, yeah. that the guys were going outside and kind of railing it. And I was going to the inside, and I tried it a couple of times where you go to the inside then kind of clutch it and pop out of the rut mm-hmm. and still able to get the drive and do it. And I thought, if I get close enough, <laughs> I'll pop out of the <laughs> rut get... and go straight to the exit of the corner. You know, I've got nothing to lose. We had, once again, we had a 30-second lead. Travis uh-huh. Pastrana was... He was crashed out, it, right? Yeah, at that point. He was up yeah. in X Games in San Francisco jumping into the harbor. <laughs> so it was down to me and Brownie. So we had like, once again, 30 seconds and everyone, and I got really close. And on the last lap, I popped out of that right exactly how I planned it and kind of almost landed right into him. I don't know how to explain it. It was kind of a just a, a weird collision. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it was <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it was definitely intentional. Um <laughs> but it was a weird collision. <laughs> and uh and uh yeah, I took him out. And um anyway, I won. But uh of course when he was picked up his bike and went after me, when he was coming, you know, like down one of the straights mm-hmm. near the finish, I was coming out of that corner and he looked over and I was had my finger in the air like number yeah. one <laughs> and, and he was angry and then and then I came past the mechanics area, go, woo, and I saw someone whack someone with a pit board over the head i just saw green and orange team shirts shoving
1: and yeah. pushing and swinging yeah. it was gnarly and then, and then there was a few times where we even went out for we saw them at dinner afterwards at mexican restaurants or, or steak restaurants and we were like a gang we're like is, is it going to be on it was it was a lot to do yeah. with brownie's mechanic he would lip off a lot
0: that english guy yeah, I think that's what happened. I think he hit my uncle on the back of the head of the pit bull, and I think that's what kind of started the commotion. <laughs> yeah, it was gnarly.
1: Um, um, all right, let's. Uh, and so that last race, Steel City, we all know what happened. Um, you basically, what if Brownie went one one? Ricky shows up. If Brownie goes one one, um, which we figured Ricky would move over for Brownie, we all kind of thought that because they were buddies. I think you only had to go four four, right, or five yeah. four or something. Like it was pretty. Pretty doable yeah. for you,
0: even if Brownie won.
1: both. I had a 12 point lead. Yeah, coming to that race. Yeah, so it so, wasn't. Um, we weren't really. I, I remember being like, "Well, Ricky's going to let Brownie win, but I think Grant still got this."
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and then, well, basically the, backing up a little bit. So after that previous round, Duke Finch pulled Brown and I in the motorhome and the team oh, okay. and I everyone, and yeah, I don't remember that. Gave okay. everyone a gave everyone a mouthful, and said we need to change our attitude, or he'll disqualify both of us blah 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 so <laughs> we were all on on warning going to the last race so the last race of steel city first motor we were duking it out and i probably should have just t-boned them anyway and taken duke finch to court but <laughs> i didn't and settled the second <laughs> first motor yeah uh, figuring you know i'll just take the point yeah but um, yeah and then second motor obviously the wheel came apart just uh uh, devastating oh. uh, at that point in my career, you know, was the, probably the, the, you know, I guess at, at that point in time, it felt like my world had come to an end. Like, I just remember being absolutely devastated. Yeah, like, for sure. I, I kept thinking it was a nightmare, a dream, and I was going to wake up, and and it was. It took a little while to get over that.
1: Dude, and, do you remember uh, everybody, from, everybody from KTM flew in? Like, everybody was there. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. It was a big deal. Um, I was actually the first guy to spot it. I'll never forget it either. Uh, Kelly Smith didn't qualify that day, which was weird. So I grab a headset, and I'm in the supercross section in the middle, and I go, hey, guys, GL's wheel is wobbling a little bit. Check it when it comes by you, the mechanics area on the other side of the track. And he comes by there, and, and I see a couple guys leaning over, and I don't hear anything, and I go, guys, did you check it? And no one said anything. And then you came around again, and it was wobbly even more. And I'm like, we got a problem. Um, we, had yeah. ro- we had had problems all year long um, with that wheel, that the, the spokes and the hub. They, they broke a lot. We had spline drive <laughs> spokes. But I also saw a photo from somebody after the race, you know, maybe six months later, of like Nate Dogg's foot peg right into the wheel area of your bike off the start. So I don't know if it was that. Did you ever see that photo?
0: Um, I don't believe so. I mean, okay. been, what's funny is, you know, I was the one obviously on the bike and, and there that day, but I've been told a couple of different theories and conspiracies, but, um, you know, it seemed like back then, um, like you were saying, maybe cause like you said, you were more entrenched in it, but the racing was definitely more intense. And, and something else to keep in mind was, a lot of times the 250Fs were getting the start, mm-hmm. and we were all on 2 strokes, so we were having to get around, you know, a bunch of the 250F guys. And um, and for some reason, I I kind of it almost rings a bell. I think almost I remember someone saying that that could have been what happened. But um, what was weird though is if it did happen off the start, how come it took about 20 minutes for it then to start coming apart? So that was the only thing that was a little weird. Unless it was just totally coincidental that. It was one spoke, and then yeah. two. Right, how that
1: goes? Yeah, that's how what I think. I I know we had had problems all year though, uh, with spokes breaking, and but we always had replaced. And I'm sure Andrew did too. Um, you know, and all year long we'd end up with a to have a broken spoke after a moto was not not uh, not weird at all. Uncommon. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and but then I saw that photo of that foot peg, and I'm like, well, maybe that was it. But man, what a blow! Like, I mean, even me, like, I don't. And I'm working for Kelly Smith. Like you winning doesn't change my life at all. But I remember thinking like this is this is just the ultimate kick in the face to KTM, who at that point people people who don't remember had won jack shit in America, had never done anything in America. You know, um, Kelly Smith's win, of course, aside um, with uh, with me. But um, yeah, I was gonna say
0: we got the first. Yeah, national, uh, but win.
1: do you know what I mean? Like seriously, KTM. We were trying to get taken seriously. We were trying to. We had yeah. no linkage, and KTM had done shit. We had this kid over that had won world championship, and it was uh, going to be the biggest thing ever. And then it turned out not to be. So yeah, um, had <laughs> to be the biggest disappointment. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the next year, O two. We got to move this thing along. GLGs. We're talking too much. O two. You uh, you well, get it, hurt, right? O two.
0: I don't have a whole lot to say. No, it was frustrating. I, I I had both my shoulders operated on in the off season. So to give myself a little bit longer because I actually had my whole left shoulder reconstructed, I ended up switching to the east coast and I think uh I think I got like four second places to Chad Reed before having a mechanical that caused me to blow my knee out and break my heel, which then put me behind the eight ball going into motocross and James Stewart turned pro mm. at uh, and he was well, he did the west coast in o two so yeah. I haven't raced him yet so yeah basically in o two the favorites of Stuart, myself, and Brown, and um, we had a great battle at Glen Helen. Unfortunately, because I was a little bit unfit from all the injuries, I ended up tipping over, which cost me the overall. I think I went 1-3. Uh, Stuart went 1-2 two, or 2-1, two mm-hmm. I forget which way. But, uh, yeah, and then shortly after that, my knee started swelling up, and they realized I had more issues with my knee, so I had to have surgery and missed most of 2002, so it was like, okay, great, Yeah. you know, and then – at this point I'd already signed my deal with KTM to go up to the two fifties. And I remember thinking, Oh man, I always wanted, you know, I, I felt like I was almost owed a 125 title, right. You know, after losing it yeah. and then Oh two only competing at two, two rounds of which I had two seconds, um, behind Stewart, but, uh, you know, injury again. So going into three, I was meant to race the uh, two strokes stroke yeah. in, uh, yeah. in supercross. And, uh, the story on this one is that at one point, people remember, Jeremy had also signed with KTM, and he was meant to be Bud Light. Mm-hmm. I think because of my age, I was still going to be Red Bull KTM.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but indirectly, we would be teammates, and that was, uh, that was off, a, off a prototype bike that KTM had built, which was planned to be their new production, 252-stroke. Oh, so okay. Almost like what they do now with their factory editions. They were going to yeah. make like 400 to make them homologated, mm-hmm. and that was the way it was meant to go. Well, for a few different reasons, it didn't work out that way. So Jeremy was—we were given the option, you know, to kind of get out. Um, so Jeremy did, but you know, he was already seven-time champ. Yeah, yeah. In, uh, Millions in the of part of his right. I didn't have much of a choice or an option. You know, I had to go and stick it out. And and um, uh, you know, I I, I, I hate sitting and, and, and blaming stuff, but but I just. At that point in time, I was just not happy. I felt like I'd made a mistake because Roger DaCosta tried to get me to go to Suzuki at the end of 2002. Okay. And once again, I stuck with KTM, um, thinking it was the right decision. And then when this went down, it was like, come on, like, I feel like this is another, you know, sort of, uh, like you said, little shot to the face. And, um, and I struggled in supercross. Um, oh, you a lot of oh, you crashed. Oh, you crashed a practice. lot, GL. The bike was unpredictable, and I I didn't know how to tone it down and finish. I just always wanted to, you know, try, and mm -hmm. it just felt like later in the races when the ruts were getting deeper and the suspension was actually, it would actually get softer during the main, and uh, you started dragging foot pegs, and um, it was just tough. And uh, after enough crashes and being sidelined and trying to ride through injury, trying to ride through injury, I just said, okay, like... Something has to change, and I said to them, I, "I'm not riding that bike." I said, "So figure it out, <laughs> figure, then, figure um, it out, guys!" But I am not yeah, I just, showing I'm up not on riding. that bike, right? Um, and then um, basically, Kurt Nicollet said to me, "Would you be interested in, you know, racing the 125 outdoors?" And I said, "Hell yeah!"
1: Yeah, you know, at yeah.
0: this point, like, yeah. And at this point in time, I thought if I can just get fit and healthy, you know, I could go win this championship. Um, Obviously, I was um, hoping I could go back and, and beat Stewart. Well, you know, he ended up getting hurt in Vegas. Mm-hmm. That made, made life a little bit easier. And obviously, Rhino had uh, signed with KTM at this point as well. Brooks
1: is manager, now Brooks is manager. Yep.
0: Yeah, so he, yeah. if people remember, Rhino was actually riding the Honda 450. I remember at the end of 01, he was going to retire because yep. he had hit his head so many times. So he basically took O2 off and was obviously doing some coaching and then started doing some testing for KTM. And, uh, you know, Ryan has always been an animal. So, you know, even like right now, he's still going to get on a bike and look fast and strong and fit and all that good stuff. So he wanted to come back and race, so KTM signed him to an outdoor deal. Yeah. The reason I bring this up was because as 2003 Outdoor Nationals get going, we get a new rivalry going. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the MotorcycleSuperstore.com
1: RacerX podcast. Thanks for listening, man. These things are going great, and I'm stoked with the responses from everybody, and uh, you guys have been doing a great job with the downloads. Don't forget the Fly Race and Moto 60 show on Thursdays, the Pulp show on Mondays, the NFAB RacerX Fantasy show sometime in the middle of the week, and the Motorcycle Superstore, they're a passionate team who speak moto. If I'm talking about going riding, bench racing from the latest company ride, To the latest parts and gear, this is what drives them to be a place for you to check out all things motorcycles with the top brands and gear, accessories, tires, parts, and apparel. You want to save there. they got everything you need to get out and ride. Go to the website to check out their inventory of brands, uh, over 700 of them. Do you speak moto? If you do, go to MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Use the code PB-Pulp16 to uh, 10% off participating brands. pb pulp Sixteen saves you money. Alright, let's get to these commercials from Racetech and Michelin and MotorcycleSuperStore.com. Thanks for listening. See you after the break. Racetech people, Racetech.com These guys have been in business for over 30 years supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory level suspension everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Uh, Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you At uh, Race Tech. Go to PulpMX2015 when you order. You can save 10% at racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast. And we thank you guys. All right. Back to the show. <music> Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross Five, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is it a fancy marketing term or what?
2: No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself. So, how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version on the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. And it's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So telling me the
1: comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires.
2: Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort.
1: Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually.
2: Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage. And Normally, you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this... Uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage, so uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on.
1: Four versions of this tire—they cover all the uses. Key for reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling—they do it all. Starcross Five, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out at the local dealer, people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. Back up to that bike, though. Did you ever ride the McGrath? prototype bike or did, did, did yes. just also oh, and was it better
0: like did you yes were you happy with it yeah so i felt like and, and the other thing too was it was a prototype so you know when you ride a tour and and, and i'm not saying they're doing a sales job but they're going hey this is just yeah. the first start yeah. this, this is you know the beginning just wait, right go yeah. we got yeah. more stuff blah <laughs> blah and i wrote it i'm like dude this thing's good i mean the power was good right but even the chassis and everything felt good and then when we went back to the old bike, as I called it, it was like, whoa, now this sucks because I know what a good bike can feel like. And they put me on this. And I, you know, like, that's really demoralizing when you know. Yeah. It's like a tease, you know? Like, someone's like, oh, how good is well, that? Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Don't you wish you could ride it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not going to happen.
1: Well, remember, we went to the world rounds and uh, I was at Yamaha then. But you had podium the first round in uh, Geneva. And I think you got a top. Maybe top five or maybe podium again uh, in Arnhem. Um, so, like, it
0: went okay. I was, I was actually battling for uh, – for, um, I was battling Michael Rocker for third, and, and uh, we we touched and I tipped over, but I got fourth okay. in the second round.
1: So it was a, like a decent start where everybody was like, okay, Langston's going to be good, you know. And then it just yeah. – I think all the characteristics of the bigger motor made the chassis and no link work worse, you know. Yeah. But more torque, more power, more
0: everything on the bike. So, um, probably, probably almost like the old like, MotoGP bike, like GP500s, when they had that two stroke power band. But the sh- but once they hit the power band, it's like oh, hell broke loose. It was like they always had the head shake and the chassis would twitch and the bike snake. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, so 03 comes, like you said,
1: you explain Rhino shows up. And Brooks and Rhino are buddies. You want to win. You feel, I think, a little bit like the team and, and Larry, and I don't know if it's correct, but I think you feel like that they are want Rhino to win, the quote, Larry slash the team. Um, yeah. You guys don't speak much. Things get harsh. Larry takes Boniface's front wheel off at some point because uh, he doesn't want to ride for points. <laughs> um, man, more drama that year.
0: Crazy. <laughs> well, you know, and, and that's the thing. Two was once the season got going, you know. Um, you know, Rhino is also that kind of personality. He wants to hate you, you know, yeah. to be motivated to beat you. So he doesn't. He's not going to be your friend or act to be a friend. And uh, so, with his personality, my personality at the track, yeah, it started creating a bit of a, a divide in the team. And like you said, because Rhino and Larry were in the rental car together, driving to places and stuff, mm-hmm. you know you start realizing you behave like a bit of a high school chick. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. Oh, well, can see who his favorite is. And you know, you get that, you get yourself a little worked up in the head, but yeah, I started thinking like, these guys don't want me to win. And, um, you know, so I think that just fueled the fire and maybe even fueled more, the kind of rift in the team. Right. And, and I also think Rhino, because him and Larry were friends, whether he was hamming it up or trying to make me, you know, feel like I was, the number two in the team or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, I just kept going. I'm not going to let it get to me. I'm just going to use this as motivation. Right. And I'm going to go and kick some tail on the weekend. I'm going to win this damn championship come hell or high water because (laughs) I'd actually also been dealing with a – I had basically what Cooper Webb had coming in the season. I had a broken navicular. And um, I actually rode a lot of that season – um, just struggling. At least half of the season. Yeah, if you <laughs> if you look at like your getting... yeah, if you look at your
1: results, they're nowhere near what your other results are. You know what I mean? Um, no.
0: Yeah, but I just kept getting points and points and points. Whether it was fifth or fourth, right? Or, you know, third, yeah. Then I'd have a you know bad. Egg. It like the title didn't seem that. You know, like oh, he's going to win it. It was like okay, who really wants to win this? Because everyone. <laughs> You know, Jay would come in a little late in the season. Reiner had some good results. Then he fractured his leg, and then Brown had been Brown, landed. You know, Brown gets hit in Washougal.
1: That's the year Brown got ran over in Washugal uphill, right? I think. Yeah,
0: and he was in the point, and I was so <laughs> sick that day. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever ridden so sick in my life. Oh, yeah? I don't want to get into details, but there were fluids everywhere. <laughs> and I'll never forget, I saw a yellow flag and when I came up the hill. And I just thought, please be Mike Brown. And I came over the crest, and it was Mike <laughs> Brown Mike and Rhino. And Rhino, right. And, and yeah. I know this sounds really bad, but, you know, when you feel like you're dying and you need a miracle, because <laughs> it felt like not only was the race done that day, yeah. like I was losing more points. Um, like, I felt like I was going to collapse and just be hospitalized as well. <laughs> I came up over that hill, and I was like, what the hell? you got to be kidding me. Like. <laughs> yeah. I'm like looking up the sky, almost going, did you hear that? Like, thank, <laughs> thank you. you. <laughs> like thank this, you. And it was, and that really was what kind of also helped that kickstart that last three round run at the end, mm-hmm. where even though James won, basically took all seconds, which was good enough, you know, at that point yeah. to, to take the lead and hold the lead. And, uh, and then, yeah. And then so these got rained out that, well, it got rained out the first time at Troy, Ohio, for those of you who may not remember or may yeah. remember, Yeah. and then they had postponed it to be the last round. So it went from being meant to be round 10 to then push to the end as round 12. And uh, I just never forget being at Brock Seller's house and Ting and everyone, we were all out there riding. And Well, we weren't doing much riding because it never stopped raining for right. two weeks. And I thought, man,
1: and how many points how many how many points did you have at going into the last round? Were you I four?
0: I think four? No, I think it was nine. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was nine. I can actually but look one, this up right now. But yeah. equipment there. I feel like no matter I feel like every championship I go to last race it was one. Se- I had it had to be close. It was seven. Yeah. Oh it was seven? Seven, yeah. And uh I knew it wasn't eight, so on the wrong side of eight. Um, right. anyway. <laughs> yeah, and and but, yeah, gets rained out again. It, crazy. I mean, the whole place is underwater, and you know, it, it was still. I remember it just it was such a surreal feeling because there was a ton of people at Brock's house. I mean, even like Reed and and a bunch of four hundred and fifty guys and Tedesco and mm-hmm. and for a lot of guys, the season indirectly was done. Yeah, like, no, no one. one gain or lose. Right, no, no one cared. <laughs> Everyone's like, dude, you look stressed out. I'm like, dude, it's pouring rain. Rhino's pounding motors in California. You guys want to play Texas Hold'em or whatever. I'm like, I am <laughs> stressed you know." And, um, and then Brock, the ever prankster, comes down and goes, hey, GL, phone for you. It's uh, Davy Coombs. He wanted to call and congratulate you on the championship. So I'm like, Brock, that's not even funny, dude. Like, don't even mess with me. Yeah. He's like, I'm serious. I wouldn't mess with something like that. And, and anyone who knows Brock was the biggest joke suppressor. Yeah. there. Uh-huh. I said to him, dude, like, that's not even funny. He's like, I wouldn't lie about something like that. And I <laughs> walked upstairs. The reason they had to call Brock's house phone is, because he lives in the middle of nowhere, he doesn't have cell phone service. Right. So they had to try and track down where I was and then track down and get hold of Brock and his wife answered the phone. And uh, I woke up, and I, I guess I was on speakerphone there at a roundtable meeting in, in, uh, at... AMA headquarters or, or, or wherever, mm-hmm. and um, I get the hey, you know, the last race canceled, just want to call and congratulate you on the championship. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, I feel like this, like, I'm going to be on punked or something. <laughs> right, right. You know, because back then punked was the thing. So I'm like, oh, these dudes are really like messing with me. You're like, so well, also,
1: too, you literally just won half a million dollars or more right then at that phone call. Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. like, and it's not what you expect, you know. You envision yourself crossing the finish line, maybe your hands in the air, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever. You know, everyone's got their co- kind of how they envision it. And then all of a sudden, I'm standing there, and I'm like, "Are you guys serious?" And I'm like, "Yeah, no, we're not joking. Like, we're dead serious." I'm like, "Are you guys like serious, serious, serious?" serious. Like, yes, Grant, we're serious. Oh, uh, and, you, and you got your cheering. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was just a, a, probably the most a, a weird and, and unique. Uh, feeling. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just – it, it seemed surreal. It didn't seem like it was really happening. I honestly thought it was a joke. It's funny
1: how, like, you won your title with – and, again, like, for you, average results, and then the year you lost, you dominate, you know, for the most part, except for yeah. if you hadn't had that shoulder injury, it would have been over, you know, early for everybody, you know, one, And then the, finally you get the title, and it's almost like a little bit of, like, uh, I don't want to say luck because you know certainly you were one of the fastest guys, but um, you know Stewie went out and then you had that injury and then it was like I don't know, it just it was fate that you you deserved a 125 title and you were going to get it no matter what. You, you know, know what? And, and and that's
0: how I felt. Like you said, it. I felt like I deserved it at some point. It just seemed like it happened in the wrong year. Right. But either way, right. you know that's just but that's sport. I mean, yeah. Let's be honest, like. It happens, you know, and, and you think about it, and people go, that's why when people say, oh, he got lucky, he didn't deserve it. I go, well, that's why we line up and race. Yeah. Um, uh, anything can happen. You know, look right now, I'm like, you know, Cooper Webb's on a roll, but he's one crash or one, you know, moto DNF away from totally blowing that whole thing really wide open again. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's just what we're dealing with in our sport of, of racing.
1: How bad did it get with LB and Rhino, like, did you guys get into it back of the truck, um, yelling and screaming at each other? Or did you and Larry keep it somewhat professional, or did it get ugly?
0: No, um, I think Larry and I kept it professional. Um, I think Rhino and I pretty much just ignored each other. And, uh, you know, I remember he did an interview, I think it was uh, five minutes on Racer X, and he just slammed me. Felt like you It was five minutes with Racer X, but I felt like he slammed me for 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> on the five minutes with. So I was just like, okay, cool, yeah. know how it feels. So it, it it was one of those where you know you could you could you could if you walked in the rig you'd be like, oh, dude, can you feel the animal? Right. Can you, can you, yeah, it's can tense. You feel right. The tension? Yeah. And um, but I think Larry tried to keep it, um, you know before it got to boiling point with everyone. I think he almost pre-planned how to try and uh, just, you know, segregate everyone a little bit. Um, But, yeah, it was definitely tense because it came down to the way it was looking was, you know, because Stuart had been injured from Supercross, Mm -hmm. he was mathematically pretty much, you know, eliminated from the get-go. And it was down to Rhino and I. and. Uh, I got to imagine two Fulari is a tough position because you got two guys that want to win badly that don't like each other mm-hmm. under your tent. Yeah, um, you know, you're, yeah, yeah. You're Trying to, you know, you're trying to do a balancing act. Um, but it never actually got to to point where, you know, I think there were a couple, you know, chirps and comments and, and remarks at you Know a few people around the rig, but right. Um, nothing, nothing weird because you know, in racing, emotions are always high, yeah. So, there's always, I mean, you know, there's always you've probably been yelled at by your rider, and then you know, you're yeah, know. Out afterwards, like best friends, you know, that stuff happens, your emotions are high. So, I wouldn't have said anything too out of the ordinary, but you could feel the tension, sure. you know, not a whole lot was said, but you knew what was going on,
1: right. Um, so the next year, '04, you're back at KTM again. Did you sign another deal, or was that the last year your deal? You were up no, at the end of '02. Two yeah, so up at the end of the two, you signed for two more years. Now, were you you super Supercross, and then you inevitably, I remember you got hurt. But were you supposed to ride 125 Nationals, or no? No,
0: they they, they didn't insisted on to ride the 450 <laughs> on Outdoors. Okay, so at this point, they kind of almost put their 250 program on the back burner. Yeah. And said, well, you know, we got the new 450. So um, I started riding the 450, but um, just from uh, this wrist injury that got re-injured, I started dealing with, like, carpal tunnel issues. Mm -hmm. um, And at Hangtown was the first outdoor. And I remember just riding around in fourth or fifth place. I think it was, like, I think it was, like, uh, Carmichael, Reed, Ferry, or something like that in yeah. me, and I was just riding around. I could barely feel my right hand, and and I was just kind of, I don't know, frustrated. Yeah. Um, and then the second moto, I, I pulled off during the moto, and um, my hand was numb, and it was starting to get, like, a little scary. And uh, I remember that was the first time Larry and I kind of really got into it because he said, you could just keep riding around. You would have got fourth. You're a quitter. You're a pussy. <laughs> and I was, you know, kind of got under my skin. Yeah. Not either of those. But I just couldn't hold on. I was frustrated, and it was getting worse. The more I rode, the worse the problem was getting. So and the, I just kind of decided that it was time to leave KTM and 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 move on. And I said, and the first thing I thought of was, you know what? Most of the reason I'm dealing with these issues, injuries, is because of the bike. And, well, that's how you justify it in your head. Yep. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to take the rest of the outdoors. Well, as long as it takes to get my hand better. So mm-hmm. I went through some electric stem therapy and and other forms of almost acupuncture and stuff to start getting those nerves firing again. So, yeah, I just basically took off most of the summer in 04 and, you know, was trying to to figure out what I was going to do moving forward.
1: Yeah, it was funny because it did seem like both sides. Like I remember, again, I wasn't there, but I still had friends there, and they weren't too pumped with you because I think even in Supercross, you'd said some things or – or some things that got out that you still didn't like the bike. And really, like looking back on it, I believe you were justified. It wasn't that good of a bike. It really wasn't. Um and yeah. then I think And, that, and that's when yeah.
0: relationships get a little sour, yeah. is when when the riders blame the team, the team's blaming the rider. No matter where it's happened many a time in the past. That's mm-hmm. usually
1: the beginning of the end. Um so you call Mitch, a guy who tried to sign you back for oh one, um, and just I mean, he must have been pretty surprised. I don't even know how you were eligible to ride 125 Supercross at this point, but I guess you were. He must have been surprised to hear from you.
0: Well, um, back then the rules were if you scored 100 points three years in a row, okay. you pointed out. Well, I'd only done two seasons in Supercross, one west and one east. Ah, oh, okay. So um, at this point I was basically at a reset button. Um, so I was eligible, and um, – Mitch said to me, "You know, I'm sure we need to work on your supercross riding a little bit, but mm-hmm. I, I still believe you can win outdoors." And uh, yeah, I drove up to his shop. It was one of these last-minute deals. And um, and one thing I have to bring up because Mitch might even blush if I tell you this, but <laughs> I, when I turned him down, I sent him a fax. Yes, I sent him a fax back then. We still <laughs> fax, right? From Europe, a fax and a letter to his office, just you know saying. You a handwritten note just thanking for his interest and how privileged I felt, but that I was going to stick with KTM out of loyalty and all this stuff. Uh He still had that, and he pulled it out of his desk. Did he really? (laughs) And he goes, look at this. Do you remember this? And I'm like, holy crap. Because at the bottom, I said, I hope to race for you one day. Oh, shit. That's funny. And uh, yeah, we we basically did a napkin agreement, and he goes, well, I'm just going to tell Cowie what's going on. (laughs) And <laughs> he goes, I said, oh, they don't know? And he goes, nope. <laughs> he goes, there's only three people that know right now me, you, and Jeff Fox. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, so it, it happened literally when I say overnight, I mean literally overnight. You did you, were you shopping for 250 rides?
1: Uh, or was it always, this is 125, people need to realize back in the well, day? Well,
0: I, I didn't really want to go back, um, down. Okay. Um, but I wasn't going to ride for a, I just didn't, I didn't feel like – I felt better than – a better rider than someone to be on a satellite, satellite to team. Satellite team, yeah. Be. Okay. So I'm like, I want to go back. And even Mitch said, ride for me. We'll get you back on track. We'll get you winning. And then after two years, you'll move up and, you know, we'll have everyone wanting you. You know, that was kind of like his speech with me, and I said, that's exactly what I want. Yeah, it's funny because – I want to go where I can win. When you did it, I remember thinking like –
1: Wow, like he's really stepping de- like he's going back. Like why does he want to do that? He's better than that. Like that was my feeling just as a outsider like wow, he's really, yeah. you know, he's really a probably taking a pay cut big time and b yeah. um you know really trying to go back to, you know, start at the bottom type deal. So um
0: And and and, it probably, and I could see that how that looks that way and 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 to make sense for me it was I want to go where I can win. Right, I want right, to get back right. to winning ways. Yeah. And you know, this is my best chance. Um, two 250
1: Supercross titles for Mitch. I know. How and ironic. I okay, know. To win him a national championship well,
0: and I get hurt.
1: Yeah. Both season. Right at the opener, right? Or no? Was it, wasn't it was it right at the opener for both years?
0: Yeah. So the 05, I did East Coast 1 to get a little more time to get ready on the bike because my carpal tunnel was still not that great okay. even into October. Like, I wasn't able to ride day in, day after day. Uh-huh. So, uh we made that decision and and Ivan was, you know, their guy and defending West coast champs. So it worked out quite well. And then won the East coast title, which was great. Felt really good coming into outdoors, had good pace and then yeah, Hangtown. Um, yeah, obviously disappointing, um, won the overall, but, uh, yeah, second motor went down, it took forever to get going and I had to come from way back last, Mm -hmm. but, uh, Man, I was flying. I tell you what, that was still one of Yeah, last the best motos of my career. Last turn, right? Second last turn? What was it? Yeah, last yeah. corner. It was what well, it was how many feet? 60, yeah, 70 feet from the finish line. Um actually it came up on uh, social media the other day. I Saw it, and oh. I was reliving it, but uh <laughs> Yeah, Leslie and I went down. I was going for the win. I know some people think I went or you know, they said oh, I went for a pickup pass as as it became known mm-hmm. back then, but no, I was just going for it and got my foot caught in the right and it pulled me off the back of the bike. But when my foot got caught, dislocated my ankle. And unfortunately, that be- became a little more complicated. I had to have a little minor surgery and, and uh, you know, missed two rounds, came back, won a bunch of rounds, and then almost had a chance at winning the title because the way it all unfolded at Glen Helen, I only ended up a few points behind
3: yeah. Tedesco
0: and Alessi in the points. So that was a frustrating one to win a bunch of races again, but not win the title. Um and then two thousand six I said to much, I want to ride West Coast. You uh-huh. know, I want the east, I wanna do west now. Have all and, the th- um, you have all the
1: time on the uh, after the West too, to get ready for outdoors, you know what I mean? So
0: Yeah. And then um I was I was going really fast in two thousand six. Um and then um had a crash at Vegas at the East West shootout on Press Day. Press day. Right. Um, yeah. Well, they had just finished the section of the track. Anyway, I hit a... Trying to remember. I think Berner still saw it, but it was a hole where they would run cables across the track. But anyway, the glare was so bad, I just didn't even see it and hit a hole and endowed into a jump and, and then uh, broke my wrist. And... Yeah, that was I know, that I... was pretty much the end of
1: 2006 again. Yeah, people were like, Langston crashed at and broke his wrist. I'm like, what? At Preston? I know. <laughs>
0: um, how do you think I felt? Yeah, really, right? Because the thing, too, was, um, and we know how Bones is, he's got, like, track record of everything. Right, right. He was even saying, I remember when, when we went testing, you were on average a second and a half quicker than Villapoto, wherever we went. And, you know, RV ended up kind of dominating the series that year. Right. So, uh. Oh, it's. Yeah, injuries suck, man. I'll tell you that much. Well, I yeah. look back and, like, every time I got injured, I, you know, obviously didn't win. And when mm-hmm. I wasn't injured, I did win.
1: Well, you got two titles, supercross titles underneath them, and you won a bunch of money. But it is amazing that you did not win a 125 title at Pro Circuit, for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, if that wasn't a lessee on a KTM at the first, at the, in Hangtown, maybe you'd backed it off or no?
0: no did you you, i don't think so okay it was just i was on a roll right i was coming and i was coming fast and the crowd was going nuts and i didn't feel like i was riding up my head i just felt like i was on rails
1: so now once um, once again after kt after the after this time you're another hot property i remember that like you had a few offers why yamaha
0: yeah um to be honest with you know kawasaki um that was probably the other really good option but You know, James Stewart was their guy, Mm -hmm. and um, I didn't want to go there, basically knowing I was going to be the number two to another rider. Right. uh, And with Yamaha, their deal seemed, it was a great complete deal, you know, obviously financially as well as, Mm -hmm. you know, what I was getting out of it. And plus, at that point in time, you know, with the L&M team starting with Chad, they needed, like, their... Kind of number one 450 guy yeah. in house, as they call it, their factory guy. Right. So I, I felt like, hey, this is this is my spot. Yeah, there's the pressure because it was you're the guy for them. But I wanted to be the guy. Everyone wants to be the guy, you mm-hmm. know. Where you're getting paid well and the tensions on you. And I just thought Yamaha was the best deal for me.
1: And uh, yeah, pretty good bikes too. Uh, you crashed at the opener, right? Broke your collarbone first round.
0: No, I um, was that? first round. Um, was muddy and uh, and um, that's when uh, Reed won. Stuart was second, and I was in front of Red Dog, and Jason Thomas brake checked me on the finish line when his clutch went out, Ugh. and I got rode into him, and then Red Dog doubled the finish line, and and that was my podium chance right there. But uh, then um, sounds good to me. Week, sounds fine.
1: They, sounds fine to me. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no yeah.
0: exactly. <laughs> I know JT's like, dude, I'm sorry, and you know when you kind of heat it afterwards, you. you you're supposed to say, Oh no, it's cool, right. and You're irritated, so you just turn and walk off. Yeah, yeah, you're like better to say nothing, but um, right, yeah. but um, during the week, the next week, and and this was a little frustrating because I said to Yamaha, Man, this thing hits a false neutral too often, uh huh. And um, and uh, Jimmy Perry's like, Oh, well, I've never heard of that. And I'm like, Well, just trust me, like,
3: right. I'm having
0: issues hitting <laughs> yeah. false neutral. And I remember getting frustrated with him because I said to him, You know, we need to do something and yamaha being corporate was a little slower and moving than Pro. yeah
1: i can vouch for that mitch, by the mitch, way i can vouch for that yeah, yeah
0: mitch would machine something overnight with yamaha they had to have a meeting about send, it send it to
1: japan a it is, meeting about yeah they send would send everything to
0: machine yep <laughs> and then they'd have a follow-up meeting about when they would machine it anyway it was just <laughs> it was like a little frustrating that things took a while and i hit a false neutral and broke my collarbone and uh, punctured my lung and a few other things. So missed a bunch of supercross came back during supercross. I remember having a couple of good battles with red dog and it just seemed like it ended up being the four of us. It was me, Timmy, Chad, and, and James huh like, uh, depending on who got what start, we seemed to find each other on track. Um, but then obviously, you know, I was r- racing my way back into shape. Uh, and, um, when the outdoor started, you know, truthfully, I didn't think, I didn't really feel like, oh, this is my title, like, or right. I'm going to win this title, you know, no matter what. Um, I was trying to get a little more comfortable with the bike, and because um, I, I almost felt like the direction they had gone, it, it it become too stiff and too rigid for my my liking and mm-hmm. my feeling. So we were trying to make some changes, but like I said, it just took longer. Yeah, than I would have liked. You guys were taking a belt sander to the frame. <laughs> well, put it this way. I, I said, to him, let me make some modifications because that's what I was going to do. I was like, give me an angle grinder and, uh, <laughs> you know, let me just start removing some stuff and we'll get this thing flexing. I looked at your, um, I looked at your
1: bike at Southwick one time by the foot peg over there and I'm like, what the hell? There's nothing
0: yeah. there. Well, there, there, there is there is, there is some variance allowed in the rulebook. Oh, so I think so. Didn't start studying the rulebook. Right, right. What was I mean, you know, with Yamaha, they would never flirt with anything, even if it was gray area. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, that's a gray area. And they're like, not for us. And I said, <laughs> Come on, man. Like, this is racing. When it comes gray area, every team I've ridden for, it's like, oh, that's good. Ah, oh, dude, you had uh, different
1: swing arms on your KTM every other week with a different pds oh, yeah. point you know with a different bottom uh pds point um you know hey whatever yeah and honda has 400 of them that's what they cared about no, so. i know yeah, I, I agree um but then at some point and so that 07 outdoors come and yeah you like you said you're riding yourself into shape james is gone um he crashes you start getting better with your bike though at some point like whose idea putting stock clamps and stock size forty-eight mil forks on it. To obviously, again for flex reasons. Who came up with that? Is that something that you thought of and said, "Let's try it"? Or, or does, does, does well, Bob yeah. Oliver does, does, does get that credit? Well,
0: because, like I said, they had these nice big machine clamps and big forks, mm-hmm. and like everything just was, you know, big and sturdy. And it, and that's not the kind of bike I like. And 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 I honestly think, and this is just my theory. I think because a lot of my call it maturing years, going Mm -hmm. from like being a kid turning 16 till in my 20s. A lot of that was all on KTM, and the KTM flexed a lot. And um, so I think my riding style also molded around that bike. And then the Yamaha was such a rigid chassis, Mm -hmm. um, and um, it was more of a rigid setup. So it wasn't like the bike was bad. It's just not what I wanted. And it was quite a big change. So we were basically, I was trying to get them to loosen the bike cut. And eventually I said, just put stock forks, stock clamps. Just let's let this thing start flexing so I can feel mm-hmm. what it's doing. Because um, I was really struggling when I didn't have feeling from the front end. It was my biggest issue. So we started doing that and making some progress. Because at one point, I think I said to Keith and party I'm so frustrated. Like, I feel like we should be better and doing better, but these are the issues. So he said, all right. You know, like you said before, you know, you're our guy. I'm going to do whatever I can. We're going to yeah. do what we can as a team to make you happy. And, and one step, you know, one thing went to another and then Keith said, well, we've got this 08 bike and the new chassis is different to the 07. Mm-hmm. Um, we could try it. And if it's good, it's, we can have it homologated pretty quickly. Right. So at this point, I'm like, absolutely. Let's do it." <laughs> right. And, yeah. uh, we're about half, we're almost halfway into the season now, and I think round five was red bud, and we stayed there um, Monday and Tuesday to test.
1: Oh, I didn't let know the that. Track okay, nice
0: and rough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, left the track rough, and Keith had the basically same as my race bike, um, except for the OA chassis, and you know, so it had a couple different engine mounts and you know, a few yeah. little things. But it was called the same, just the chassis was different. And I got on this, and I said, I need it. And he's like, It's that big a difference and I said, put it this way, it's it's, it's a good size difference. I need that and I need it now. <laughs> and um, and I remember it was because we went to Colorado and had, you know, on the old chassis and we had some uh jetting issues and stuff and it was another miserable, miserable day. And uh-huh. I remember having a bit of a, a meltdown in the pits yelling at everyone <laughs> and uh I was just frustrated yelling at because everybody. <laughs> yeah. Cause the bike didn't run good at all. I mean, it was just, it, the bike was not good that day. And I was just so frustrated, you know, when you still, tr- even though you're getting paid well, and yeah, all yeah. stuff, when you, when you're training and you want to do well and you suck and you feel like it's not your fault, even if sometimes you take a little responsibility, but when, you know, at this point, like I'm just not gelling and yeah. this bike's not working for me and things have got to change. And, uh, you, and uh, you know, giving credit where credits due, Yamaha really did. Uh, yeah, make a huge effort to try and make me happy. Well, he said, "Okay, if I make you happy, do you think you'll be, you'll go, you know, you'll get better results?" I said, "I guarantee you." So, which sounds
1: a lot like you, by the way, the way you are. You're like, you're, you, know, yeah. you probably dropped an F bomb in there and then said, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. Lot, right. <laughs> yeah, when I'm talking to someone like this after a race and I'm a little heated, right. every other word's an F bomb. <laughs> well, you look at your results five, six, three. The three was in the sand, though, which is your, you're good in it, and it doesn't necessarily, uh, bike uh, flexibility isn't necessarily a you know. matter that much. Yeah. So you go five, more technique. At the non-sand tracks, you're five, six, seven, six, seven, ten. You know, it yeah, the ten was the Thunder 10 Valley was I had a meltdown. Right, right. And, 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 and I promise you, the, the bike didn't even run well. Like it was bub, bub, bub. Jeez, Jimmy Perry once got us to run. Jimmy Perry once got us to run pump gas at Thunder Valley, and it was incredible. It was a great move by Jimmy to do
0: that. So I'm surprised you had problems. Yeah. Um, well, that's why I said when I came in, I had even said, "You guys have had issues here before." We did. So we need to go yeah. and test. No, nope, we got it sorted out. <laughs> okay, cool. Get up there, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, um. So now, you can, as you can imagine, the F-bombs are really flying. That, that's, when, that's when I came in, I think, it was the first time I kind of really like looked, sort of laid into, you know, when I say the team, it was mostly Jimmy because he was the team manager at the time. So. Right. He, well, he got it he got a wrath of it for a
1: while. Hey, and credit to Yamaha. Uh we've seen this day and age in twenty sixteen when riders want to change forks and clamps and blah blah blah. A lot of them are denied. It's a it's a huge PR debacle. Uh we sell our bikes with air forks and how dare you put springs on, et cetera, et cetera. Well for Yamaha for Grant Langston in 07, they just go, Okay, stock clamps, stock forty eight forks, no problem. You know, we'll do that. Um and also too, speaking from Can a mechanic I- size. If the rider is complaining and is a being a bit of a whiner, that sucks, but when he says, "If you do this, I will do better," and then you do that, and he does better, that's all you want, yeah, you know you'll do whatever yeah. whatever to make him happy, if he can back it up and certainly you look at your results, Stu goes out at Washugo, you go two two one, one 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 to uh to get the title, and I it was, have gone
0: two one 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 one. <laughs> Why? Thanks to Kevin Windham. Oh well, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know what? (laughs) Hey, Windham, we
1: we Timmy was pressuring him. Timmy, Timmy was pressuring him. Um, That's right. (laughs) It was a phenomenal second half of the season, and you, in interviews and everything else, you did attribute it to uh, a lot of uh, bike bike issues that were solved, and you were happy, and and it shows.
0: (laughs) It shows for sure. And and you know what's funny too is, is 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 I even look and I go, it's funny when when you're frustrated and and you you know you change the chassis and my dad goes oh it's so weird they change the chassis and all of a sudden your starts are better he's like it just shows you the power of the mental side as Mm -hmm. well because you know it all comes together like because some people said to me man i didn't think that chassis was that much different and i said you know what it maybe wasn't but it's exactly what i needed to kind of you know, yeah, yeah, we're making progress. We're going in the right direction. You know, the bike feels better. It feels good, and a lot of little things came along, and and I think the the confidence came along with it as well, as well as the self belief of, oh, I can win this.
1: Right. Yeah. At some point, you you know, all of you guys. Alessi was in there. K Dub was in there. Of course, Timmy and you, Short. um, Shorty. It was uh, it was a it was really competitive. And a great, great end of the I season. Was, yeah.
0: I think I was seventh in points after Colorado round six. Really? Yeah. So seventh to first. That's crazy. Because Ricky was also part-time. So Stuart got hurt again. Ricky uh, was part-time. And um, I was behind, uh, you know, Shorty, uh, Timmy. Alessi. uh, Alessi, Uh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Just about everyone. Yeah,
1: it's great. No, it's phenomenal. Phenomenal comeback ride from you. Like I said, I just read off your results. It was amazing. And, and a lot of it had to do with you, and some of it had to do with the bike. And and you got another title, and now you have everything but a 450 Supercross title, which we know you didn't end up getting. But, God damn, you got everything else. So I'd, I'd be pretty stoked on that. Um, and also, too, you... Congrats to MSR for winning that 2007 450 motocross title. MSR. Yeah, that was also <laughs> through when a
0: few things happened, and <laughs> MSR was actually a company that I had taken a part ownership in as part of my deal. And uh, I feel bad. Uh, Tony had um, he was a good dude. Had a lot going on. The with, M- M2R. You're talking about. Yeah, you're talking about M2R. Yeah. Y- yeah, yeah. Lot of lot of bad a th- lot, lot of bad things happened at the wrong time. The economy tanked. His European distributor stiffed him, and a few things. And yes. Yeah, I ended up getting picked up by Bell Helmets and then MSR, and they were probably stoked. Oh, yeah. I think they got walked I... <laughs> straight into a national title. <laughs> I know.
1: You're number one played in the t- t- trophy, and it's you with MSR and Bell Helmets. That's great.
3: Yeah, I remember yeah. I remember thinking, like, how
1: weird is that? How weird is that for those companies, for everybody involved?
0: Um, well, you know, was the weirdest part was I remember the Bell Helmet breathed so well when I was going up the hills at Glen Helen. My ears were ringing because that Yamaha was – pushing some good horsepower and, you know, had the airbox opened up. And I don't know, once those things are heavy on the throttle, my eardrums were vibrating. So between practices, we're squirting in like, like that foam that expands to deafen the noise a little bit. So, because a couple of people were like, oh, is this going to mess with your head? I'm like, nah, I've got it. I looked at my mechanic down. I said, just make sure the bike doesn't break, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, re- I I feel like under pressure situations, I feel like I was able to excel or I didn't really let pressure get to me. Uh-huh. Like I almost fed off pressure. So I was very cool, calm, and collected. I just said, just make sure the bike doesn't break. And we've got this. Well, and,
1: uh, I don't. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember what were the. Do you remember the point situation? Because you went one three at the final round, but I don't think that second moto, you didn't have to really bust ass to get no. like whatever it was. You had you had a little bit of a cushion.
0: Yeah, no, that was one of those motos where the sun was setting in our mm-hmm. eyes and the ruts were bad, and everyone was wanting the battle to the end. And I just remember thinking, okay, now don't you throw it away by. Because I was coming up a couple of these jumps, and it became Russian roulette, because you're going, your feet, your feet were dragging in the ruts, and you're staring at the sun, just <laughs> hoping there wasn't a rock or a hole. So yeah. it started getting a little uncomfortable, and I and it was one of those motors where I felt really hard to attack, and I became a little too conservative. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wyndham was able to start running away, and I'm like, cool, I don't need to worry about it and then yeah. Alessi, who had, I'd ran... The nice thing was, first motor, I got a bad start, and I'd ran down and passed all my competitors to actually really pad my lead going into that last motor. I think mm-hmm. I had 15 points. So I'd, 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 I, did, I wanted to win the overall, and I was thinking in my head, okay, I can even let Alessi buy and still get the overall. And um, I backed it down, and like I said, went 1-3. Um, but yeah, definitely... The last ten minutes, that last motor took forever.
1: <laughs> you're, you're hearing things with your bike and everything. Yeah. Oh man, I'm uh, like looking
0: down at the rear wheel. No. What? Does? You know. You, okay. You no, know, I was just going to say you do. You start thinking about every little thing. But I was more concerned about making the mistake myself. You know. Yeah. You, you try not to worry about a bike because, well, you know, usually it's not going to break. Secondly, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do really. No. Um, but yeah. Glen uh, Helen's a tough one late in the day. Like oh, yeah. Rough and brutal. And, and I think 07 was probably, in my opinion, if you go look at the past 15, 16 years of, of of tracks, I still think 07 Glen Helen might have been the gnarliest track I ever recall. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. That's when they went yeah. in the back canyon as well, and there were rocks and holes and shadows. It was the longest track. I remember the, mo- the lap times were like three minutes and
1: yeah. 30 seconds that year. I, I believe it. Um so, the next year you get you you win the one you win the plate, you come back to supercross. when does the eye start bothering you? When does that happen? when do you start and what happens when do you start- noticing your vision maybe isn't isn't perfect
0: well so yeah at the end of o seven went and did bercy and had some great battles with Chad and it did a few of those rounds one won the u s Open started really feeling like Oh yeah, you, I forgot about the US Open win. Yeah, I forgot about the US Open win. Yeah. I hadn't right. won four fifty Supercross, so I think that was like the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Stewie, Stewie and Chad are the guys to beat. But I felt like speed wise I was the closest I'd ever been to Chad coming into 08. Meaning, you know, Sundays at the practice track I was quicker than him or, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing yeah. in it. Yeah. Or you know, like right. I felt like, hey, yeah, maybe everyone thinks Stew and Rita got this, but I felt like I was that legitimate dark horse if I could put it all together. And, uh, yeah, and then 08 just seemed like started off with nothing could go right. Um, Like I said, Anaheim won, kind of got (laughs) blocked by JT and, and coming up to the white flag, which cost me a podium. Yeah, one of those things. But in Phoenix, I was riding really good, and the rear shock collapses in a one in a million. Oh yeah, um, I remember that. Type yeah. I won the heat race. Same thing. Fastest in qualifying. So I'm like, geez, you know, because now at this point, I'm thinking, well, straight away, points wise, I'm way back after two rounds.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then we go back to Anaheim. Got some metal rebar that ripped the sidewall of my rear tire. <laughs> It's another miserable one the heat rate again had another miserable. Shock breaks rebar in the tire yeah and then round 4 we go to uh San Francisco to mudder. and I remember thinking my eye was a little blurry and starting to bother me but it felt like it got worse that next week okay and i i had thought that uh maybe when i tossed my goggles like got sand in there or really sure. had yeah. scratched the lens or something a little more serious and actually went to an optometrist for the first time in forever and I'm uh, like, oh, we don't know. You know, you need to go see a specialist. And the specialist didn't know, and they sent me to UCLA. Well, I didn't get to see UCLA that week, so I went to Anaheim 3, round 5, and uh, it had rained, and the ruts were getting pretty bad. And mm-hmm. I remember just struggling. And I said uh, to Keith McCarty, I don't know what the hell's going on, but I'm actually scared because I can't really see correctly. Mm-hmm. And Keith, Keith's a good dude in the sense of, you know, he said to me, hey, you know, your health more important than telling you get out there and race. He said, I don't want you racing. If you can't see, you can't race. Yeah. And I sat out, and it was, it was weird because everyone's was like, are you okay? What's wrong? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm just having vision issues. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, that was the start of the long, long story, which figured out I uh, had a melanoma tumor developing in my left eye.
1: Jeez. Yeah, I remember thinking, like, can jeez, this guy? It's one thing after another with Langston. He either wins or he has major injuries. Yeah, <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> my, my, my career has been a roller coaster. It's not going up; it's going straight down.
3: <laughs>
1: right, right. Um, yeah, that was a big bummer, man. It must have been devastating. But I guess first of all, for you, you're just
0: like, look, am I gonna die? Well, right, like. Yeah. Well, at first, it was like, come on, figure it out. What the hell, man? I need to get back. You know, like it's to irritate me, guys. Like, what's what, what's what's so complicated? Like, right. Saying this is red, and we're not sure and it could be this and. And then eventually they said, Do we think it's a cancerous tumor? And then at one point the doctor looked at me and he goes, Grant, let's not worry about racing right now He goes, We need to sort this out Yeah. One way or another because we're talking life and death here. And then it was like <laughs> the you hear that, it's like almost like someone just pulled a handbrake. The You're needle like, the needle on the record goes, <laughs> it just Yeah. Stops. And you go, Wait, what? <laughs> And then it like hits you and you're like, Oh mm-hmm. shoot, like this is this is different. This is not yeah. plate it or screw it and we'll get back out there. This is you know, so it was another little like whoa moment and um yeah, so just try to find the best doctors in the world and eventually had my procedure done at the Cleveland Clinic. Um, they had the number one eye cancer center in the in the entire world. And um yeah, it was tough to pull to swallow because oh, I bet. it basically was you know that was the beginning of the end of racing, um, and even though I try to come back a few years later, uh, I found out the hard way that your vision is critical. Having your <laughs> eyes be pretty good is yeah. not good enough. No, yeah, and, like, you, you need
1: can't be 75% vision. and still be all right. No, yeah,
0: no. I can go ride at a local practice track and have fun, right? At 75%, but not at that level.
1: Yeah, um, oh for sure, pro racer, not at all. Um. Look, you won a world title, two 250 Supercross titles, uh, outdoor title uh, in 125s and 450s. Is there one that means more to you than another? Like, is there one that was, I don't know, like more bitching to win or, or you remember being happier about?
0: Um, I, think, I think the two really special ones, probably my world championship because when I was a kid, you know, I didn't know the difference between GPS and AMA. And you know, when you're a kid, you say, "I want to be the best in the world. I want to be a world champion." Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, when I was five, six years old. I think the first time I ever got on a podium in my life. They said, "What do you want to be when you're older?" You know, all the other kids were saying a dentist, a lawyer. <laughs> I said a world champion. Right. And you know, so like that was what I set my mind to at that early age. Was this? This was my calling card. So I think. Winning the world championship and leaving South Africa and going to Europe and starting from the very bottom. Sleeping in a a
1: one-bedroom apartment with three people.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, we we roughed it, and um, we're given the cold shoulder because Europeans can be kind of clicky where, you know, Italians kind of stick to their groups. And so, you know, we were kind of a bit of the outcast for a while and just felt like, you know, almost like the odds were stacked against us, but we did it, you know. So it felt like a, a nice team family Langston-type type win, like we took on the world and we did it. Mm-hmm. So I think that was very special, especially at a young age. I mean, I was 17, so um, it's quite a lot to, I guess, take in for a 17-year-old when you think back. Um, just you're basically still a kid, but you're in an adult world right now. And uh, so I think that was a you know, special moment. And then I think 2007 was special because – throughout my career in the States, like you said, it had been up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. But that title felt like the one that I worked the, the hardest for mm-hmm. because I'd been injured and struggled and kind of fought with the team a little bit and fought with the bike and I yeah. mean, even fought with family and trainer. You know, everything <laughs> gets tough when you're frustrated. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, when it seems like it's all about to just fall apart and then it starts going well, I think it's like that old saying, the things you work the hardest for are the most rewarding. So I think um, 2007 was very rewarding, plus it was the last title that I had, as well as, you could say, the, the biggest. Um, so those two are, for two different feelings and different reasons, are the mm-hmm. ones that really stand out.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, th- I have to agree. I mean, just I'd have to agree that those st- titles stand out for you, Langston. No, I mean, just... Yeah, they they each mean something different. I mean, the 450 motocross title, that's the pinnacle of the sport, you know, the very best of the best. And then, yeah, yeah, winning a world title, you know, again, from South Africa, it's a pretty big deal. Um, Motorcyclesuperstore.com podcast uh, with Grant Langston. I think we're done, GL. We covered your career. There's a lot more I could get into, but, uh, you know, um, I think we covered a lot of it. Uh, Real quick. Okay, let's let's do this. Rapid Fire with GL. Uh, Okay. Favorite outdoor track. Melville. Favorite teammate you've ever had. Uh, brock Frog Salads. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. <laughs> um live with me so we're pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, really, right? Uh best race you ever had. I'm sure we covered it in this, in these pods, but which one was your best race? The day you were unstoppable.
0: Um I would probably Uh, I would say I've had a couple, like when I was a kid, you know, Mm we'd go down in the first turn, and I can't remember the exact day or time, but I'm I'm thinking of relevant races. I said 05, that second moto at Hangtown. Hangtown, yeah. Um, Because even when I looked at the lap times, comparing myself to Carmichael, I was way quicker than him, and he dominated the 450 class. So I knew, like, wow, I was just really that fast that day. So That was one of them – Finland. When I won the day, I won the world championship. I was just greased it that day. Yeah. Um, so those two definitely stand out in my mind. Especially those were the ones where it was like I don't know statement races. In mm-hmm. the sense. Um, favorite bike, favorite race bike you ever had? Which one did you
1: gel with the best? You think? I mean, Ooh, obviously the Yamaha at I the would, end of things. But was there something else?
0: I probably would say my. 2000 world championship bike because it was all handmade Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it just made you feel that much cooler that they made whatever you asked for but I just felt like that bike was you know in GPs you don't have the production rules so ATM were producing fast bikes so I just felt like oh man I've got such the edge but I also think in 2006 when Cowie you know when I was riding for Pro Circuit when they came out with that aluminum frame bike once I got the hang of that thing and we figured out h- how to make us comfortable, mm-hmm. I love that one too. So, kind of torn, but I'd probably have to say my world championship bike because it was, I mean, we had carbon fiber like um, air filter covers. And you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the side panels. I mean, right. the bikes were just did, ridiculous looking.
1: Did uh, Van Der Ven give it to you? Do you have it or no? No, no. no. You know the Dutch are. <laughs> no, I don't, but I just seen Austin Powers, so. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, that thing got sold a long time ago. It probably got parted out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right away they're just taking it. Right, that's actually one bike I'd love to get. And I've spoken to KTM, uh-huh. and they're going to see that they're gonna, they're trying to basically get a exact replica done because they have parts and stuff. So yeah, that, that'd be cool. Yeah, I
1: guess K, it's all good with you and KTM nowadays, right? As far as your, your relationship with them, you didn't go. Yeah, yeah you didn't end also, well, but
0: yeah things changed a lot from 2004. You know, if you go look, a lot of the personnel are different, whether it's race team or even inside, Mm -hmm. you know, we have a big dealership out here. We're a KTM dealer. We do very well with them. I actually ride a KTM during the week nowadays. Um, So yeah, I have a good relationship. I'd like to say that, you know, whether it's Kawasaki, Yamaha, Mitch, KTM, I still feel like I have a good relationship with everyone I rode for.
3: Mm
1: Hmm. Um, I think that's it. That's all I got. Um, fantastic career. Uh, world champion, national champion, 250 Supercross champion. Uh, can't ask for uh, much more on hey, the bike. Hey, you know bike. what
0: we forgot, what? too? What? I was, wanted to bring up back-to-back Dutch champion in the sand. You know, remember <laughs> okay, I remember yeah, little... being a, a complete wanker in the sand and then ended up getting back-to-back titles there, which the 99 Dutch championship was like, my biggest international achievement at that point in time. Yeah, I guess, um,
1: right? Sure. Yeah. You know,
0: going and beating the sand guys in the sand, like to me, that was a kind of a big deal. And then, like I said, in 2000 it was cool because now I kind of consider myself the sand guy. So I go to win the world championship and a Dutch championship and then well, leave.
1: And then there was the whole thing, like, you're right. It's super tough. People don't understand. It's not Southwick. It's, it's low It's endless beach sand. Um, Remember the whole thing about Travis Estrana saying I can't be beat in the sand, and then you're saying I can, I can't be beat in the sand. Mike Brown might have said he can't get beat in the sand. <laughs> it was it was on <laughs> with,
0: with the you three guys. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, um, you know, you, I'm telling you, look what happened when uh, Dungey and I think Tomac and Bosh and then went to Lommel. Um, with all due respect to them, they got they got they got murdered by the. Oh young yeah, teams. oh yeah. Remember the rocks and was... smoking them, and then. Hurling, smoking, everyone on a two fifty mm-hmm. in the deepest of sand is not supposed to happen.
1: No, no, yeah, people don't don't get it. Um, oh, one regret. What's your biggest regret? Do you have one? Riding a two, KTM two fifty super, in supercross was that maybe your biggest regret? <laughs>
0: um, you know, to be honest, it's it's probably a little bit deep, but I actually, and I haven't really exposed this too much. I was always embarrassed about it, but. I, uh, I started dipping in 2003, and so when I had my eye cancer, it crossed my mind. You know, was this self-inflicted? Sure, yeah. so I think deep down, that's always been my biggest regret because I try not to live with regrets, but mm-hmm. I think that was something where I screwed up. Um, I don't chew anymore, um, but uh, yeah. yeah, I would definitely say that was it. You know, I made the decision to go to KTM, and I. You know, I always believe take responsibility for your actions, um even if it maybe wasn't the best decision or didn't work out how you hoped um, you make the most of everything, but that was probably one decision that you know that old saying nicotine's addictive, but you don't know you're addicted until you're addicted, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so everyone yeah. was doing it, and I was more curious, just a naive kid I'm like, oh, what is that let me okay I'll try it right oh that's interesting, and yeah, so I dipped for almost ten years, and then, like I said, after the I can. So, I definitely had those nights where I woke up and I thought, man, did, yeah. I, uh, did I create my own uh, destiny here, you idiot? I always <laughs> the wondered, kids, like, don't
1: yeah. you? It's not cool. It's I don't know super. why anybody would ever start. Like you said, I tried it one time. Paggio was doing it when I first became a mechanic. And I'm like, wow, McGrath does it and Page does it.
0: And all these guys. Well, that's do what it. I was like, Every, right. everyone was doing it, you know, and it sounds like that cliche thing. So, it's like but, uh, curiosity got the best of me. I kept saying, "Why do you guys do it? What does it do?" Da 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 da. And actually, uh, my old mechanic Oscar Wideman said one day, "He goes, it's just a. He goes, it's just you really need to know, put a pouch in." And the problem for me was, I was like, "Oh, yeah, actually, yeah I'm pretty chill." And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nice, nice job, Oscar. You know, you're like, yeah. Let's play, yeah, Oscar. Exactly. Yeah. I wish he would have just said, it's the stupidest thing I ever did in my life. Don't do it. Because that's I would, what I tell everyone now.
1: I would have thought you were hammered after after party and, and Chad made you do it. That's what it would have been my guess. Um. No, I think
0: I made Chad do his
1: first one. <laughs> I know. <huh? laughs> uh, hey, by the way, we were laughing the other day about Chad and his legacy in the sport. Um, don't you think that there's been no, there's no supercross champion in history of the sport that more average fans have partied with than Chad Reed? Do you, think, do you think that would probably be
0: correct? Is that his greatest legacy? Yeah, well, I think you could give it to him because I don't have a 450 Supercross championship. But I think when it came to the party with average people, I still think I might be at the top of the list.
1: Yeah, you'd be that's in the running. Just, that's yeah. the yeah. so. You'd be in the running. Well, 250. any champion, two fifty or four fifty doesn't matter. So maybe you'd be in the running, Gio. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. He's, he's Mr. Social, but I, I, I get told I'm Mr. Social. So um, I know I make friends every weekend at the Nationals now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, GL, thank you for doing the motorcyclesuperstore dot com Racer X podcast. i use the code people when you're shopping. And uh thanks, man. i really seriously, an hour two and a half hours of uh when you wow. combine the two parts of GL and your career and it's worth it, man. I I no bullshit. You've terrific, terrific career and uh well, thank um,
0: you. You know, so and I and I appreciate you taking the time out and I actually appreciate it. To the people that actually have the patience to listen to me for two and a half hours, (laughs) mad
1: respect to you. Oh, trust (laughs) me. There'll be thousands. Uh, thanks a lot, buddy. And we'll see you this weekend at at the national.
0: I'll see you actually Friday evening.
1: Oh yeah. Perfect.
0: Sounds good. All right, brother. Have a good one. All right. Thank you guys. See you. Bye. Cheers. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis show presented by Fox racing. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil cylinders as a when I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland, or Belgium on 45 minutes
0: on the same bike You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days They're fools. They're different bikes different times the beast from the East Damon Bradshaw It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home and once I got to the race I wasn't into it. If I wasn't gonna give a
2: hundred percent, I'm not gonna take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that you know that I was gonna miss. The daughter Ron Machine.
0: Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying like beating a dead horse, you know? And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did, everybody did.
2: Go circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make
3: the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven time, Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so
1: frustrated that I pulled fifth pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My my
2: ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you sit there if you didn't want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test
0: all that. I like that era I was in. I really do.
1: Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over eight hundred great motocross podcasts.